welcome in, and thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast, bringing you all things Colorado sports each and every week. You can find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. It is Tuesday, the second of November. We have crossed the path, the path into November. It's officially fall. It's cold. Is it just me, or is it every year on Halloween is like that first cold night? Yeah, I was, I was saying that the other day. Actually, it it seems like it's it's nice, and then Halloween hits, and it just wants to be freezing. Yeah, because last week was fantastic. You're out in shorts and a t-shirt. I golfed on Friday. It was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, Saturday night, Sunday rolls around. It's no good. I am Jared All. You heard the voice of Connor Holzkamp. Hello, hello. And guys, we were on a roll. We were on a roll, Connor. We had the whole team. We did. And then Soaps gives us the, uh, guys, I don't feel great today. Maybe I shouldn't come in, you know? Just a weak immune system. Yeah, I think think what we're finding (laughs) is a whole world of people that are going to take advantage of this. You can't go anywhere if you're a little bit sick and, oh, yeah, tickling my throat. I guess I better just stay out this week. So thankfully... Tyler Walgie hanging around the studio today. He and I just got finished recording a different show. So, Tyler, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'll try and uh, fill the shoes of the great Nick Sopras. He's been doing a great job lately. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to replace him, but I'll try. I noticed you uh, coming in with the Clorox wet wipes. I think good approach. Even though Soaps <laughs> didn't show up today, you never know. You never know what he's been touching, what's been going on. These things last for weeks these days. So smart approach also makes the whole studio smell great. Yeah, I got Cloroxed it. I'm a little... Uh I've been a germaphobe lately. So anybody wants to sponsor the show, <laughs> you know, just throwing that out there. Again, we're at Red Rock Sports One. Mm-hmm. We are, of course, a Woos Media podcast. If you guys aren't familiar with the other shows, as I just mentioned, Tyler and I do one on the CU football, uh, the the Buffaloes. We just got done recording. Oh, that's that. got to be rough. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going that's well. Be been brutal. the most fun show to do this year. <laughs> but if you want to check out any of the other shows, you can find them at WoosMedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E Media.com. Uh, got a lot to talk today guys uh usually it seems like we always get done with this show and then either tuesday night or wednesday morning some big news comes out and it's like ah i wish i would have come out just before our show well today it goes well because we actually are recording the show just after just a few hours after the end of the nfl trade deadline and for anybody who apparently doesn't follow anything sports you probably wouldn't be listening to this show i guess anyways if you didn't know von miller has been traded from the denver broncos they traded him to the rams that happened late monday and uh wow we got to react to that one a little bit so we will talk a little bit of nuggets we're going to talk about where von ranks amongst the all-time broncos defenders but first i just want to kind of give a little bit of a nostalgic remembering of Von Miller and, and Von Miller's time with the with the Broncos and maybe some of your guys' favorite moments of Von playing for the Broncos. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously Super Bowl fifty was the the peak of greatness with our journey with Von Miller. I mean, he just absolutely wrecked. Really, that whole season, he just wrecked opposing quarterbacks. And what he, I mean, I still to this day am convinced that Von Miller broke Cam Newton. I am I am convinced because Cam Newton throws out an MVP caliber season. I don't did he win MVP that year? I don't know if he did. I don't think it was he, close. Maybe it was, he was right uh, there. No, I think he did. I, did, yeah, I he believe did? he did. Okay, yeah. so so MVP, and then 
the Broncos wreck him in the Super Bowl, and he is never the same again. So, hey, I know that that might be a little far-fetched, but I, I, I say that he wrecked Cam Newton. So, I mean, hey, what can you say about the guy that, that hasn't been said? He's a future Ring of Famer, future Hall of Famer. He has, you know, Super Bowl 50 MVP. He, you know, he got kind of screwed out of, of Defensive Player of the Year a couple times. J.J. Uh, Watt had some really good seasons mixed in there, too. But he's been fantastic. I mean, he has been the the picture of the Broncos franchise in the past eight years or whatever it's been. And so we wish him the best. Sad to see him go. Although I do think the Broncos got got a good return on it. So yeah, I am really happy with that. And I and I think it is obviously a very bittersweet thing. But I I think as a Broncos fan and as an NFL fan, you have to kind of look at the writing on the wall. Uh, Vaughn wants to compete and he wants to be on a winning team. And I think he still wants to get paid like a top edge rusher. And I don't think the Broncos were going to do that coming up here, moving forward. So this is a great opportunity for the Broncos to get more from him than I would have expected. Um, he, they ended up getting uh 2022 second and third round picks from the Rams um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty good return on investment. Now, do the Rams have any picks left for next year or are they just, they're already out of picks? <laughs> well, didn't they trade their first rounder on the, uh, the, uh, what the heck's the quarterback? Stafford. Stafford they deal. did. And, and what's interesting is the Rams haven't had a first round draft pick since 2016 and they don't have one through 2023. So, Hey, the Rams are okay for them. It is. The Rams are kind of actually foregoing the whole build by the draft strategy and they're kind of going into the uh, they're almost adopting the NBA super team type model you know what I mean they're just trying to bring guys in and hey, it's a bull strategy we'll see how it worked for them I mean bull strategy cotton. <laughs> it worked for the Broncos for a couple of years although the Broncos had Peyton Manning so there's that I imagine that there's going to be some rough waters ahead but that's down the road for the Rams right hey, now if they're you looking go get good. yourself a championship nobody cares ask Broncos country you got that that that's championship Super Bowl 50 well, I actually say that, and here I stand six years later, <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, was it worth it? It was. It was. It really was worth it. And, and, and just going back to the kind of the nostalgia with, with Von Miller, um, that you mentioned that run, and it wasn't just Super Bowl 50. I mean, he was an animal. I, I think it was like two and a half sacks in that game. I mean, he that there's that picture of the strip sack and then Cam Newton basically not going for the ball. And that, that to me, will always be kind of what defines both of those guys' career and, and, and kind of what, what turned. And, uh, but it wasn't just that game. I, I, I was telling you guys before the show, I wish I could have found the exact clip, but the, when Von Miller was asked, that the, going into the playoff game, the AFC Championship game against the Patriots in, in Super, leading up to Super Bowl 50, what was that, 2015 then? And... Uh, he was said. They said, "How are you going to get to uh, to Tom Brady? He gets the ball out in two point two seconds." He says, "Well, I'll just get there in two point one." And I just, <laughs> I love that the confidence, what he brought to this defense. I can never remember another defense, not just for the Broncos, but in the NFL, that was so dominant the way they were. They got after the quarterback. The defensive backs were just stellar, and and that was all started with Von Miller. Love Vaughn. He's one of my favorites. And like you said, the strip sack, obviously, that's the one everyone thinks of. But uh, I looked up here online. There's uh, They were kind of writing about his best uh, his best moments. 
They have number two. This is a DenverGazette.com 2016 AFC Championship game. Two and a half sacks. Uh, four quarterback. It's against Brady and yep. uh, yeah, look like you're just talking about an interception that game too. Oh, he did. And he that did. was such a great play because yeah. you saw you almost never see Brady get fooled, and he just threw it right to Vaughn. He never saw him. I love that. And then number three, they have taking down Brady again. I guess it was Sunday Night Football and uh, Brady and the Patriots 2013. One of the greatest all time. Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, I guess it was just he had a big game against Tom Brady. Uh, games, game ceiling strip sack versus the Colts is number four. It was, uh, I think, their first game or the second game of the season in 2016. And we played uh, the Colts, and he had a uh, strip sack against Andrew Luck that sealed the game yeah. or mm-hmm. on Andrew Luck. So. He, he had a knack for that, coming around the edge and great, getting that ball. And then five, they have his first career sack against the Bengals. And, so. he, and he had that wiggle. He had the he had the bend and the wiggle. He was like jello. It just there. it just sucks with Vaughn because he's someone who we drafted. And you don't see it all the time where you draft someone, they stay. I mean, I would have loved for him to retire a Bronco, but that's so rare these yeah. days. And honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Rams fan now. <laughs> yeah, why <laughs> you know? not? Why uh, not? Uh, Elway's best draft pick. Yeah. I mean, oh, but yeah. well, that did also fall in his lap. I mean, it did. But it, hey, you know what? It's uh, his first counts. draft pick. It still also, counts. By the way. All right. Oh, his first draft pick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, was it his first draft? Or draft? no, it was his first first round draft pick. I forgot because the year that Elway took over, they did not they draft have a, in the first round. Yep. There you go. So one of my favorite things to remember about Vaughn was when he got into this league, and he gets a torn ligament on his thumb. And, and misses a bunch of games. Um, goes out very next year, ACL injury. Misses, misses the, the, was it the whole season or the majority of the season? I think it was like 10 games he missed okay. or something. So, so goes out, gets, gets the ACL injury. Uh, then he gets busted for, for that marijuana. Wasn't it marijuana drug yeah. testing? And at that point, Broncos country was absolutely on the edge about potentially calling this guy a, a bust. I mean, is he going to live up to his prestige and his status and, and where, you know, the investment the Broncos made in the draft. And so one of my favorite things to remember about him is there was a time when everybody was wondering, is he going to pan out? And then he just came back and absolutely obliterated any of those expectations. I think that is so cool. What I mean, what a cool story for some guy that had a... He really did. He had a really rough start to his NFL career and then just turned it on. And, and you know, I know we're going to get into it later, but is is arguably the greatest defensive player the Broncos have ever had. I think the greatest. So And, and so for a guy like Bradley Chubb... Now, Bradley Chubb, let's be clear, has not had the off-field issues that Vaughn did early in his career. Vaughn, Vaughn had a, actually used two or three different times he failed drug tests. That's why he ended up getting the suspension that he did. Um, so that's obviously not at least not that we know of an issue with Bradley Chubb, but a guy that struggled with injuries a couple of times already throughout his career that, you know, I think a lot of Broncos countries in the same spot with him where, where, you know, they're kind of getting ready to say, man, is this guy going to ever live up to it? Or do we let him walk after this rookie contract? Is he, is he worth the big money that he's going to demand? And, you know, let's hope that we can see him turn his career and, and be as successful as Von Miller. And I know that's easy to say for a guy that's going to be a future hall of famer, uh, in, in you know moving up the sack career sack list, but let's hope that we can see the same trend for a guy like Bradley Chubb. And and one last thing, I'll just say with with Von Miller that I think is kind of funny on social media. Obviously, this is all over any Bronco social media, any Facebook groups, Twitter, anything that you're following. Um, the funniest thing is, is so many people coming out and I'm like, damn it, 
This was the last jersey I had of any active player. Everyone else is gone. And to what you're saying, it's so hard to get jerseys anymore because guys are there and gone in three years. That's why you got to go vintage. I've just started going vintage. The that same happened way. to me. My last one I bought was a Tulo jersey. And when he got traded, I was like, this is stupid. I don't, because it's not good to have someone who just got traded and, they, and they're just like, like Tulowitzki. I mean, sure. It's not a great one to have. Same, but Vaughn, yeah. I guess you, you can maybe get away with a Vaughn yeah, jersey. I don't, know. I, I don't own a Vaughn Miller jersey and I want to go buy one right well, now. You okay? did, uh, what? You don't think so, Connor? Well, well I think, I think that if a player is great and makes an impact on that team, it, it's timeless. You okay. can buy that jersey. Maybe and it you're doesn't right. Matter in terms of great. Gone. Maybe you could argue Tulo was uh, was potentially that. I also have a he Ty. Is, I, I have a Ty Lawson jersey. Okay, see that's that's, that's a better example yeah. about what what I agree with. Like, like I'm not going to wear my Lawson jersey right, to the right. to the Nugs game. That's anymore. why it's always it's always a uh, a little bit of a risk when you when you're buying a rookie jersey or a, a guy in his first couple years that hasn't really <laughs> right, broken through right. yet. It's always a risk because then, dude, jersey buying is that it is risky, especially if you're going to go these. That's why I say vintage is the way to go. Or you could just go the opposite way, and you just have someone that was just so bad or or somehow so memorable, and it's still acceptable to wear that jersey. Right. For instance, Wait, Tim Tebow. You, oh, I was I thought I was going to go no. Mark Sanchez. You can, I, I've seen some Mark Sanchez. You can wear a Mark Sanchez Bronco jersey See. because it's a conversation piece. Well, and it's the best laughing, part with Mark you know? Sanchez is he never even made the active roster. He ended up getting <laughs> cut before the preseason was yeah. even up. The Sanchez jersey. What? Yeah, there's got to be. What's the most obscure jersey you've seen in a game? Like, have you seen any that have been I, out there? I've seen kickers. You know, I've seen jerseys of kickers. That's a little extreme. I That's know Broncos out, yeah. have had some good kickers, oh. but like, I would buy a like a Mason Crosby. He's a CU sure. fan. Uh, Green Bay. Mason like a Crosby. Tom Ruin. Tom Ruin. Ruin. I don't oh, think I've ever seen good. a Tom Ruin. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Ruin. That'd be good. That'd be a nice one. Yeah. yeah but uh, the the most recent jersey I bought was a uh, uh, old school Joe Sackick jersey. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's yeah, very nice. I went and got Quebec the TD. Nordic I got the Terrell Davis. That that see that's yeah, classic. Was, yeah. Yes, I love that. You got it. You you got to give a give Speaking some respect. Speaking of jerseys, did you guys see the the new city edition jersey for the Nuggets that got no, released on Monday? No, I'll look it up right yeah, now. I'm uh, a big fan. I'm a big fan. I, I, I wanted to ask you this, Jared, because I knew you would be a big fan of this because you it just tickles all your nostalgic uh-huh. heartstrings. Yeah. It's Jared, little, Jared is like the resident n- nostalgia person. It's over a little here. different because year over year, it seems like their their city edition or whatever, it's not that different. They maybe will change the color or or they'll change you know a little bit of the background to it. But it, this is a very different look. And if you haven't seen it, go look at it because I'm gonna just do a terrible job trying to explain it. But they got the cool colors on the the shorts, you know, on the the, the, the is this it here? I can tell everyone. Where yeah, we're yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what we can do is maybe post a link to this on sure. the, on your Twitter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, and and cool. I'm sure a bunch of you listening out there have already seen it. It has so some of the features that that it has. It has. Maybe we'll just find a picture right in the the side, the armpits on the side of the short. It has a little bit of the rainbow skyline type yeah. look from from those jerseys. And that's why I say it's a little different than years past. Yeah, it has. Uh, they have the minor, the original minor mascot on the shorts, right on the right where like where the belt would go. Uh, well, I guess there's no belts, but you know what I mean, right in the belt spot. Uh, and then it has the it has the sky blue lining, kind of like the piping lining around around the edge of the jersey, which is a nod, obviously, to the these powder blue Nuggets jerseys from the mellow Chauncey Billups years. I wouldn't, even oh, though I okay. wasn't a huge fan of those jerseys, I think, Connor, you were much higher on those jerseys than I was, if I remember. I was, yeah, going yeah. back. Uh, I would not mind at all to see an alternate jersey and bring that back. You know, an occasional one that you wear. I just don't, it's like the Broncos orange uniforms. I like the orange uniforms, 
But the blue should be their every game jerseys. And then once or twice a year, you throw in the orange. <laughs> I think the same thing with the Nuggets, you know? I like the dark blue. I've liked it going back to the 90s. I like that they're doing it now. But I wouldn't mind a little sprinkle of the powder blue <laughs> in there, you know? Yeah. Powder. I love the powder blue. Well, there you go. So so kind of they, they kind of on these Nuggets jerseys just tried to throw a montage to so all the old jerseys. I you mean, knew I would like it. I don't know if you like it, even after you just described uh, it. What's your thoughts? I, I like okay. the shorts. That, that just said everything <laughs> we needed to know. I think they went a little bit too much, but that's all right. I love their... Uh, I just I really loved their city jerseys from last year, the one that say Mile High City in the it's kind of a different colored blue and it has the yellow Mile yeah. High City around. That was the other uh, city jerseys and and I really like those ones. I also really like their earned jerseys. I own one. It has the the pickaxe that's like uh, red on the top and blue on the bottom. It's kind of like oh yeah. Where do these names come from? See, I don't know the, the names. city the the what city edition. The I don't earned, know. What, what does what does that? Oh, come is, from? is this marketing for from Nike? It's just every team, so every Connor's team gets- Connor's one of the... Connor's a, cla- Connor's a perfect consumer. Connor, do <laughs> you own stock in Nike? And not, why not? <laughs> no, I do not. You should consider it. I think, well, I think it's a little past the time to be buying it, stock it, in it's Nike. It's not... We're not buying low. We're not buying point. low. Not, no. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe Anyways, there we go. Hey, didn't mean to derail us Is it Vaughn. Nike like the housing market is just always going to keep growing, right? I guess so, yeah. Well. Invest in- uh, you could tell I don't invest in the stock market. Yeah, I, All right. I would not. Well, hey, investor. we will put that on our Twitter. You can check out the jerseys if you haven't already. They're going to be wearing them this year. It's going to be fun. But let's get back to Vaughn a little bit. Yeah. I didn't mean to derail us no, off of Vaughn. No, it's okay. It was necessary. Also, <laughs> if you were going to get a Vaughn jersey now, do you go blue or do you go orange? Because he was kind of half and half. I mean, I always got to go orange. I always go orange too. Yeah. Orange for me is the way. Yeah, you gotta because because <laughs> Jared you go loves to, the blue, but well. no, but, but, but <laughs> it's like it's almost an obligation when you go to games to wear orange because it's like the you know it's like the not an obligation. That's a weird way to put it, but I like to wear the orange because that's what the Broncos are known for. Like it's really like kind of intimidating. It's all the orange yeah. in the stadium. It's yeah, sort of like the, the orange Broncos is like thing. the exactly the orange is the Broncos. The orange crush, their color, yeah, exactly. you know. So I do the love the way the orange shows in the stadium, in in the stands, and in, yeah, especially awesome. in opposing stadiums when you show up to a LA Chargers game and it's all orange I'm across you, like, there. Dent, yeah, that's good. why mile, mile high, whatever you want to call it, it, it's so tough to come play here. You know, like the not just the atmosphere and the fans, it's the outside, it's everything, but. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so we will talk about in a moment here uh, where Vaughn ranks. I'm going to give you guys my top five all-time defensive players for the Broncos, which, God, I forget how good their defense has been, really going all the way back to the beginning. There's some really good players there. But first, I want to just kind of tie this back to the Broncos, the 2021 Broncos. They win a game Sunday, and then... That takes them to four and four, by the way, ahead of the Chiefs. I think they're a game back of the division. They're right there in the wild card on paper. I think we've all given our two cents on where the Broncos are, but they get a win and then they make this move. What message are the Broncos sending uh, making this move? I mean, I, man, it's it's tough. I think I think almost no matter what you're looking to make this move. I mean, unless the Broncos are just overachieving. I mean, unless you're looking at, hey, we really think we're going to win the division possibly this year. Like, I think you're looking to make this move, especially for a second and a third. I, I you know, uh, so I don't, 
I don't necessarily know if it, it's really all that much. He's on a con, you know, the last year of his contract, and if you're going to get a second and a third for a 32 year old aging pass rusher on the last year Who, of his contract. by the way, is currently injured. He did not play in this game because right. of injury. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess you could make the statement that it says that George Payton understands the writing on the wall and he's looking in for the future of this organization, right? And, you know, I mean, I guess you, you can make that statement. You could say, hey, at the beginning of the year, George Payton said, here you go, Vic. I got you all the pieces you wanted. Here's all the tools, all the things that you wanted to have on your team to win. I gave you every chance to go take this thing and win, and it's not working. So, so you know, but but I think it would have sent a stronger message had we have actually seen some more moves before the trade deadline. I was wondering if we would. I, I was wondering if, if Vaughn would be the first domino that fell, and then they would try to get anything they could and just have a fire sale uh, leading to the last 24 hours. But I do agree with you, Connor. I don't think it necessarily definitively makes a statement that they're giving up on the season. I, I don't think this move automatically makes you uh, a team that's five games worse or, or anything like that over the course of a season. I mean, we've talked about that before, and the value different positions can bring you in terms of wins. But mm-hmm. I absolutely think this tells me that George Payton is the guy behind these decisions, and he is very confident that he has control of this team and he's going to be making these decisions moving forward. He doesn't care if making this move makes us win less games. I'm not saying he's trying to tank or trying to lose games, but he doesn't care. He knows this makes the team better next year, and this gives him a lot of ammunition next year in a year that I think it's becoming very apparent the Broncos need to be in the quarterback market. So whether this is additional picks so they can go trade for uh, uh, you know Deshaun Watson, if things clear, if he can, you trade for an Aaron Rodgers, whoever that might be, or the picks you need to move up to get into that top five to draft a quarterback. So I think this is him looking forward, but also I do think it's not necessarily a sign that says like, yeah, just chalk this up. We're 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 gonna hopefully lose out the rest of the year. Um. Is it a good quarterback class coming in? I mean, isn't it supposed to be very um, below average? I mean, you 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 better than anyone I know yeah, do the draft. Really I, well. I do follow that pretty closely, and you know some of the guys that I like to follow. Obviously, there's the the big guys on, on ESPN, the Mel Kuypers and, and the Todd McShays. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah is one that I like to listen to a lot. He's uh, NFL Network. Uh, Matt Miller, uh, who does his own thing, he he used to be a part of ESPN. Um, Pretty much all of them are standing across the board. There's just no clear-cut guy. There's not that guy you have to get. I think there's still going to be end up being three or four guys drafted in the first round. I think they will grow on people, but you're getting multiple small school guys. And Matt, um, Matt Corral on here. Yeah. This is WalterFootball.com. All right, so their rankings quickly. Matt Corral, Ole Miss number one. He's a small uh, guy, not a very big guy. M- Malik Willis, Liberty, Liberty number two. Yeah. So he's not tall. He's not tall. <laughs> Car- Carson Strong, Nevada. So we're. I mean, look. Yeah, I, I'm a college football fan. I, I, as some of our listeners may be. None of these quarterbacks excite me at uh, all. The one so. I've kind of heard across the board. It seems like a lot of people like more than others with the upside is that is Malik Willis um, coming out of Liberty. And okay. again, but Liberty is that even an FBS I mean, school? Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. There's been teams who who have done well, who or guys who have done well, like Carson Went. I mean, I guess Carson's done okay. But either way. 
uh, what do I know about this, right? There's probably a lot of things that I don't know how to yeah, evaluate no, these quarterbacks. No quarterback but, out of Texas Tech was ever any good until Patrick yeah, Mahomes, so, right? So, so maybe there's a gem in there. I'm just, it, there's other years where you get more excited as a fan, you know, when, when certain like guys when are Justin out. Fields is sitting there at, at pick number nine, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he looked good this weekend, yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah I, I will there. say that. And just to touch on that real quick, <laughs> I watched that game pretty closely this weekend, and uh, it's like, man, you see it. You see why people were excited about him and, and what his future brings. Hey, he's you put him on this Broncos team, probably still sitting at 4-4. Four and four. There might even be a worse team as a result of, of, of him being your starting quarterback. But the promise, the upside with, with some of the talent the Broncos have at receiver, ah, it could have been special, man. Yeah, it's, it, it is something. I, I think going back just a little bit to your your original question about what does this say to the team and, and, and stuff, uh, I just want to – just talking about this Vaughn trade, can I just say that I'm glad that it ended up being a really good contending team that offered this pick for Vaughn? Oh, me too. For sure. I want to like, see Vaughn win. Because, like, that is – exactly. Like, hey, he's going to get traded, and, and that's just going to – I mean, hey, let's be real about this. If George Payton would have gotten the best offer, like significantly a better offer from the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's where Vaughn's playing for the sure, rest of the year. Sure, sure. Like, this whole idea that, like, the Broncos did him right. Like, no, this had nothing to do no. with that. The Broncos got whatever they well, could for him. But uh, the reality is, is who's making this trade? It, it's a team that is going for it all this year. And and I right, even right, saw right. the Rams' Twitter put it out there. Literally, I don't know the exact words, but it's like, we're not holding anything back. Like, we're going right. for it this year. So, and, so, and it's obvious. That's what they're doing. So it is good to see it. I just want to say, you know, I, I hope that it, it reminds me kind of of the situation that we saw here in Denver when um, Von Miller uh, uh, from the Cowboys, who's the uh, uh, the Marcus Ware, yes, when he came over, it kind of reminds me of something like that, right? Yeah. Like on the back end of a career, like he was a Cowboys guy, like through and through. And you mentioned the Cowboys, and I honestly was kind of hoping that Von would end up there because he's a Dallas guy, he's from there, and the Cowboys need edge rush help. They're really hurting there right now, so. I kind of thought that might be a, a team that, that would make a cool. play for it, but I, I'm there with you, and I'm, I'm glad to see Vaughn go into winter, and I hope that he has a similar, not as good. We don't want it to be as good. We want that, that Super Bowl 50 to run to be the most special run ever, but I hope Vaughn tears it up the rest of the season. He hasn't done a whole lot so far this year. I think he's been been fighting through some injuries and, you know, fat, frankly, fighting through a team that's not very and good around him and... Oh yeah, no, no doubt, and and it's a bit of a shame. I you know I, I just just, just going to touch on it because it was a big story in the media today. A lot of people probably heard about this already, but there was a report from Adam Beasley uh, from Pro Football Network who had put out there, and it's it's kind of it, it is kind of a shame that something like this happened right when Vaughn's leaving. Right, uh, put it out there that well, and he was in okay. He put it out there yep. that that Vaughn Miller had a rift with some teammates over his hallow his infamous Halloween party specifically because he did not get paid from certain players who may or may not have committed to paying money to Vaughn and actually Beasley goes on to kind of insinuate that this might have had something to do with the trade and I think that's completely bogus has nothing to do with the trade any um, front office that's <laughs> gonna let that go pay for it yourself $100,000 is nothing for an NFL team right all right so I don't think that this had anything to do with the trade but you know Noah Fant was on local radio today and he actually I don't even know if he realized as he was on the air what he did but he essentially con he confirmed the story and and really and the way he confirmed it was by saying 
I I just am really disappointed that something like that got out and blah blah. But like there was no name attached to it. And now Noah Fant's name is attached to confirming this story. And he gave a little details. He said basically that Vaughn had actually sent out a group text to some players and said, hey, I'm thinking about canceling this year's Halloween party because I think our focus needs to be on winning right now. We lost a couple games. He wants he wanted the focus to be on winning right now and, and said, I'm thinking about canceling it. Well, some of these guys were like, no, 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 don't cancel it, right? And so if you kind of... And, and that's pretty much... And, and then Noah Fant said... And then things devolved from there. And, and so if you kind of put together the pieces, read between the lines, it, what seems like happened is that Vaughn sends a text. We're going to cancel the party. People are like, no. He's like, okay, but you have to help pay for it, right? And then some people ended up going. Some people ended up not going. And, and people didn't end up paying him the money that he felt like was a debt to him that he already, you know, that he had uh, been promised. And so I don't know. I think it speaks to the fact that that is a confirmed story. That is an absolute confirmed story. Just speaks to I, I think we we are seeing the beginning. We we're, we're we're peeling back the curtain and seeing how the sausage is made a little bit in terms of the culture issue that there might be in Dove Valley right now. And what I take from that more than anything else is if Vaughn and and again these are all kind of alleged, right? And 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 we're going to go off of what Noah Fant had said. Um, if, if Vaughn put out there that, hey, maybe we should focus more on winning and everyone's like, nah, 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 let's party. That, to me, screams more than anything. If the guy's response to him saying, maybe we shouldn't do this because we should focus on winning and they all come back like, no, we want to party, actually. We don't really care <laughs> that much about winning. Yeah, That's well, kind of what I take from it. Uh, can, I, can I ask this either? Has there ever been as infamous of a party in the news media from Denver Sports as Vaughn's Halloween party? I mean that is where <laughs> is, is that where uh, that's where Chad Kelly Chad Kelly uh, left at three in the morning, walked into a stranger's house, and got attacked with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, so so there, there's that, and then there was also a whole there was another year when you know the Broncos are coming off their you know third losing season in a row, and things are looking about as bad as they've ever looked you know in Bronco country, and then he's throwing this big party and getting celebrities to go, and you know just. It was talked about then as like, huh, maybe this isn't the best look for you guys. I mean, like, I get it. We're humans. You guys like partying. You know, I get it. But at the same time, like, your team's like 0-5 and, and you're just going and having a party. I mean, I just think it's funny. Vaughn's Halloween party ends up in the news. I swear, man, like every other year, dude, we're talking <laughs> about Vaughn's Halloween party. Uh, but it was a shame. It was a shame to see that there is a code in the locker room, you know? I mean, and and it's not Noah Fant's fault, Right that he went out and confirmed this story. Yes, it I, is. I mean, all you I mean, have to yeah, say you is gotta be no comment. <laughs> right, right. I, I think he might regret that ultimately. Right. I think yeah. they put him on the spot. Like you said, now, like, oh, now, yeah. you, now you are I'm sure the, the host of the show to... were like, yes, this is gold. Oh, oh yeah. Keep oh, yeah. going. Let him keep going. Yeah, that's... Uh... Wow. So, but I mean, I, I honestly wonder how much this happens in the NFL. Is this more common than we think? Is this... I mean, may, I don't have the answer. I don't know, but I think this may happen a lot more. Just uh, stuff like that doesn't get out usually. Well, I remember years ago uh, when Maybe ESPN started their thirty for thirty series. One of the ones that they did was a, a I don't know exactly what it was, but it's about you know the money that guys spend once they're in the NFL and and, and just in sports in general. And you just don't. From an outsider, from us fans, it's so hard to see a guy that's making, even in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, complaining about spending money. And And I remember one of the things on there was a guy that was a rookie, 
and you know you don't make a ton of money as a rookie especially if you're not a high-end draft pick and it was his turn to buy the dinner for the team well it was something in the range of you know like a hundred thousand dollars that was spent on booze and and champagne and all this stuff and it was like a quarter of his salary for the year, you know, or half of his salary for the year. And and he essentially bankrupted himself over this because he had no choice but to like step up to the plate and do it. And when you're rolling with these guys making tens of millions of dollars and you're making 500000 Woo, that's a whole different budget you're spending it on is. there. So it, he got uh, Quavo. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. He got no, Quavo from Migos. He, he, that's who they hired. So Am like, I the only one here who has no idea I, what I didn't you know just who that said. was either, but so he's me, a hip-hop me, me, artist. Migos is, yeah, is, okay. is a hip-hop artist. Yeah, they got uh, Quavo, who's one of the... Yeah, he was performing there. Like, it was a very big... Like, it was huge. Right, a lot of money. A pretty, it, it cost a, a lot of money. Yeah, I, I heard the parties get into the six figures. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it was cost. definitely a six-figure. And, and, you know, I've actually heard... It's funny you ask about how often this type of stuff happens. I actually heard Aqib Tlaib talk right about uh, when the Broncos won a Super Bowl. And he was talking about the different money situations that you see in in the pros. And it's interesting because it's just a whole different world, man. But he was talking about how they do... Uh, the defense would go out for dinner and they would just have inordinate amount of money on bills and they would all throw their credit card in a hat and be like, take one. Oh and they just play credit card roulette with like thousands of dollars of meals. And, and that's just how it worked. You know what I mean? Or, and, um, you know, uh, I also have heard that there is gambling and stuff that goes on. Like, not oh, there's got to be so allegedly, much. So, so, allegedly. So I'm not talking not get anyone in trouble. No, no, no. Here, so, there's so, got to be so much. So I'm not talking about on the games or anything. I'm talking about like poker and like like betting on just stupid things. Like, I'll bet you, you know, five grand that I can throw this football or that at trash can right now. You know, just like uh. stupid stuff like that, right? And so. Um, I think there's a lot of money being passed and forth in these locker rooms now when they go to dinner and stuff like that. And so I don't know. It, it doesn't surprise me that something like this came out. But but I also don't I don't really look at it bad on Vaughn, right? I mean, I really don't. Like, hey, I know that it's us people, us peasants, us normal peons that don't make this kind of money. We look at that and just say, dude, you just got whatever, $90 million. Like, what do you care, right? But at the same time, man, like you're with a locker room full of people that are also making good money. And if you come to some agreement that, Hey, we're going to help you float the bill for this extravagant party. Like, I mean, who am I to say that Vaughn's in the wrong for, for asking for that money? You know what I mean? Connor, you're totally the guy that throws a party and then expects it to be like some potluck thing where everyone brings (laughs) something to the party. So you don't have to actually host. I'll I'll turn you down at my door. If you show up with, I'm like, Hey, there's a potluck, man. Charges uh, a cover for you at the door. You better exactly go grab some chips or you ain't getting in. It's like Joe Mayo in mm. Seinfeld. Yeah, that's right. Gives everyone something to do. Mm. Well, anyway, so we wish Vaughn the best. Yes. On, on his next venture. You know, he got out of this dumpster fire of an organization right now, so good so, on him. So quick, just quick, uh, throw it out there. Where do you guys see the Rams right now? Do you guys look at the Rams as a favorite to win it? I don't know where Vegas, I know, Tyler, you're, you're pretty dialed into where Vegas has uh, these teams. Are, are they an odds-on favorite, or what do so, you think in the NFC? I have uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, their ratings pulled up. Is that good enough? Is yeah, that cool? Yeah, yeah, Okay, so... Uh, P- we all respect what they do yeah, over exactly. there. Yeah, uh, exactly. PFF uh, has their power ratings. LA number five. Okay. Uh, Tampa one, Buffalo two, Green Bay three, Arizona four, LA five. But they're within a point of Green Bay, so... Uh, 5.1. of those five, did I hear four NFC teams? The NFC is so much wow. better than the NFC this year. Isn't it crazy? 
I mean, Buffalo is obviously the AFC team there, but and then Kansas City is number six, uh, and then after Kansas City, Tennessee's number That's interesting. They still have Kansas City six. I mean, I know they're a good team, but like, are they? <laughs> I don't okay, know. I mean, what Tyler, Tyler you Kansas are City? a professional batter. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a square idea, and I want you to tell me if I if I'm on to something here. Okay, so Kansas City last year was always a great live bet to go to last year because they would constantly find themselves early down 10, 14 points. You get them at a good number then. Maybe you're even getting them, you know, giving points or getting points, excuse me. I'm losing a lot of money right now on Kansas City trying to take the same (laughs) philosophy. But I think the second half of the year, Kansas City could be a moneymaker if you're getting them because they're sitting here at three and five or or whatever they're at. what? I think they're four and four. Four and four. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, is Kansas City going to be a good betting team Look, the rest I, of the year? I, I I can't speak to that. I don't know if they. So I'm just so square. I well, don't even know what no, I don't about. know. If that's necessarily a square opinion or point of view. I just don't know if, if that is is was something to bet like, or you know something that was a trend last year, or if you were just getting lucky betting them at certain times. Because all I know and what I can say for sure is during the game. Game state is taken into account all the time. So I won't go on to a whole thing about this, but it's such a misconception that people just wait to bet the favorites in, in case they go down. But it, it's a whole different thing. If you were to say, you know, the Broncos, for instance, if they're a seven-point favorite, which I don't know if that's going to happen again for a while, <laughs> but if they're a seven-point favorite and they give up the first touchdown, now they're only minus, I don't know, three and a half, and you take me and say, hey, I got them in minus three and a half when they were minus seven. Well, if you would have told me they'd be down a touchdown, that changes everything. So... The game state is taken into into account pretty accurately. I mean, not all the time too super accurate, but pretty accurately to where maybe you're seeing something they're not, and you can just you know. But I don't see any reason why that would just pay, you know pick back up this last end of the. Sorry to be so down on no, your idea. No, it's okay. But it's okay. I don't this is think what I need to hear. I don't think it's necessarily profitable I, advice. I, I should not. I should not continue down the path that I'm going. Just throwing money down the <laughs> drain every week on the on the yeah. Chiefs. So Connor, getting back to what we were talking there, the Rams. How do you see the Rams now? With Von Miller, with some of the additions they made, the team that they've brought in with Stafford going into the season, do you like them out of the NFC now? Yeah, you know, I, I do. I I think them and, and the Green Bay Packers, to me, are both you know, really, really good teams, have a chance to make it. I, I'll put it this way, okay? The Rams absolutely have a shot to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they, they are definitely in the conversation for teams that could be there at the end of the year. So, I mean, hey, if you're Von Miller, that's all you can ask for. I mean, that's a, it's a good situation. You get to go and showcase your talents in a, in a huge market, by the way. Plus, you get to play next to... Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, That's going to help out a pretty lot. Pretty sweet. Massive human being. So, no, it's good. It's good. Well, well, we wish the best for Vaughn, and hopefully the Broncos can manage to get some out of their picks the second I wonder third. what jersey number he'll wear. Uh, they hmm. said that uh, – so there is – man, I'm spacing on his name, but there is a you, you know ring of famer or hall of famer even that had that number over there, and yeah. he has given permission for him to wear 58. Okay. So you think he will. Okay. Although I think Justin Holland – actually wears 58 over there right now it's funny justin holland formerly of the yeah, broncos, former bronco um but i imagine that he would give us vaughn was number 40 in college i believe something like that well, i so, don't know yeah yeah i'm just throwing that out there. i bet you wears 50 never know okay so before we get on to talking about the broncos what happened this weekend in a win by the way hey oh um <laughs> and what, what we're looking at next you going against cowboys i wanted to take a look at who we felt like and where we feel like the 
Von Miller ranks within the greatest all-time Broncos defenders, okay? And as I mentioned earlier, I started looking at it, and, you know, I, I, I'm a kid. I was born in the 90s. You know, I was born 1990, so I missed a lot of the, you know, the Orange Crush years, a lot of the great years. So, uh, man, when you look back at some of these things, there's some great players. So before I get into my list, I want to throw a few guys out that missed the cut, and, and anyone over the age of about... 35 or 40 is probably going to yell at me that these guys didn't make the cut. So I want to throw a little bit of a shout out to them. And then I will go on my list five up to one on, on where I have uh, uh, Vaughn in there as well. Um, so just missing the cut, Steve Foley, safety cornerback, played with the Broncos from 76 to 86, holds the Broncos record for career interceptions with 44 with the Broncos. Okay. That's with the Broncos. He had 44 interceptions. Tom Jackson, who TJ, everyone knows, uh, uh, obviously on ESPN. He's been a great analyst for a long time. Uh, 20 career sacks, 13 interceptions, four-time All-Pro. Kind of a very different type of linebacker versus what you saw in the 70s. Smaller guy, more athletic, more what you see in today's NFL. And then the other one that just missed the cut, Simon Fletcher, defensive end, is, I believe, second in Broncos' um all time with ninety seven and a half career sacks. I got I got a quick story about Simon Fletcher. Okay. So in Greeley, Colorado, when I was uh, working and going to school up there, he opened up a barbecue restaurant that was so delicious. The man knew his barbecue. So not only was he a great defender, he knew barbecue. <laughs> My God, that was good barbecue. I would usually go two meat plate. To me, plate's always solid. Hey, that's good to know because there's not a lot of great barbecue in Colorado. Well, it's, so. I don't think it's there anymore. It was called Whistleblowers Barbecue, though, but uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, number five. Coming in at number five on my list, linebacker Randy Gratishar. There we go. Over his career, 1974 to 1983 with the Broncos, 20 and a half sacks, 20 interceptions, over 2,000 career tackles, seven-time Pro Bowl selection. Now I I don't want to be I don't want to speak for the audience okay but I think a lot of the older audience out there who may have seen him play through his years and you know let's uh, uh he could be number one on okay. the, on the list like, like uh, his stats alone don't jump off like a lot of current stats but what he did for the Orange Crush defense I mean he was the Orange Crush defense for an entire decade. Randy Gratishar, I think, could be... I think a lot of people listening could have him number one. So for number five, seems a little low to me. It, it, you could have number one, but you'd be wrong, so... So, okay, for me, so I will say, the, to me, the five guys I put in this list are the clear-cut, definitive, these are the five guys. I actually had a really hard time in what order to rank them. I wanted to put, I wanted to put them higher. But I'm like, I can't justify him going above any of the next four guys. So I felt like five was the spot he had to come Let's in. Let's hear what we got. Okay, number four, Carl Mecklenburg, okay? Oh, there you go. Another linebacker, 83 to 94, 79 and a half career sacks, third in team history. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, and I believe he's either about to go in the Hall of Fame or just went in the Hall of Fame. He's he's He needs to be, okay? This man belongs in the Hall of Fame. What he did for that Orange Crush defense over there, he was the leader of that defense when when they had some great years with that team. And he had the massive shoulder pads. Those shoulder so. pads, man. <laughs> that works. I do have uh, one thing for... If I were his agent, I would have said that he missed a huge opportunity for Carl's Mecklenburgers. Yeah. Ooh. He could have had a huge hey, opportunity there. He could still go for it. He could. 
I mean, you got to do it when you're in your prime of your career, but <laughs> wait well, till you get in the Hall of Fame, and then that's your you opportunity. There you go. Carl okay. Mecklenburgers, just send me a check in the mail for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next on the list, a little more recent, starting to get into my time. I won't lie, there might be a little bit of a recency bias in this a little bit, okay? Uh, Steve Atwater. I will say my favorite all-time Bronco to watch. Watching him play growing up, I played safety as a kid. I didn't hit like Steve Atwater. <laughs> did you I like- tried. I tried, man. I tried. I, I'd get rocked. I was. I was. Did you ro- just? Did you just try to compare your safety playing to Steve Atwater? <laughs> I did try. I to, think he just I did. I did try to. Just like tried did. to sneak that bias real quick. Oh, by the way, guys, Steve Atwater. I also played yeah. safety. So. I, was, I was pretty good. <laughs> Had a couple of INTs. Sorry, sorry. In I'm interrupting you. You keep going. You tell us how magnificent Steve Atwater. Uh, Steve was. Atwater, 1,200 career tackles, 24 interceptions. I think the only <laughs> knock on him is that at the end of his career. He went to the Jets, man, and that hurt. That stung. I wish he would have retired a Bronco. Uh, but he is in the Hall of Fame, went in the Hall of Fame last year as he belongs. He is – I honestly thought about putting him number one because I think the impact he had on that defense when he was there was huge. But the reason he is not ahead of the next two guys is I don't feel like those defenses of the, the 90s were nearly as good as the defenses we've seen in more recent years. So number two – on my list, which will leave it very obvious who number one is, so we'll just say I'm both here together. Number two, Champ Bailey. Ooh. Leaving number one, Vaughn Raheem Miller. Moore. Oh. Yeah, Raheem Moore. Oh. Yeah. oh. Whoa. 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 So not that? to jump past. We're talking a snub with Raheem Moore here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to jump past Champ Bailey, who also inducted in the Hall of Fame last year, 11 Pro Bowl selections. That is the most in NFL history for somebody from a cornerback position. He has 50 career interceptions. 34 of those came with the Broncos. And I think he will always be defined by the trade, right? The trade for Clinton Portis. And at the time, I know me personally, I loved Clinton Portis. I thought he was the next, you know, Terrell Davis, the next big thing. Well, on on Madden, I, I was upset because Clinton Portis would rip it up in Madden, and I'm like, no, I love playing <laughs> with Madden's the Broncos. Never wrong on their players. Never, I mean, no, no, no. Mike Vick was like the Dude. greatest quarterback to ever play. Yeah, he was that. really good. So we got rid of him. I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I guess I'll start playing with the cornerback, and you know, but no, that's not. Yeah, no, but Champ Bailey, you look back on that trade, and that is one of the most lopsided trades, honestly, in NFL history. And I believe the Broncos even got a draft pick along with it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So Champ, though, I almost, I really, really thought hard because I think he was the best player at his position, possibly in Broncos history. But the dominance that Von Miller had, particularly in that Super Bowl season, I think that's what it comes down to. He's the only guy on this top five list that is, in my mind, one of, if not the major reason the Broncos won a Super Bowl. Champ Bailey was on that roster. He did not play in well, that game. The only game. Super Bowl MVP on that list. That's the only sure. Super Bowl MVP on that list. And he is the uh, the the Broncos' career leader in sacks with 110.5, 110.5 sacks. That leaves him 36th all-time NFL history, which I was kind of surprised he's that low. 36 with 110 career sacks. So there's like 40 guys ever that have gotten 100 sacks. He's one of them. I think he moves up that list. I mean, what do we think Vaughn has left in his career? Does he have five years left? I'd be surprised if he had five five years. years. I don't know about that. I I think if I had to guess, I'd I'd put the over-under just arbitrarily somewhere about two and a half years remaining. So would you guys agree? Vaughn Miller, best defensive player ever for the Broncos. 
I know you you teased it earlier, Connor. I, I do. I agree. I, I think I think you can make you could probably make an argument for a lot of those guys right there. But I think in my mind, it really comes down to either Champ Bailey or Von Miller, and, and with with maybe a Steve Atwater there too. I mean, I, I'm not trying to disrespect Steve Atwater at all, but. But to me, I mean, Champ Bailey, what was it? 50 interceptions, yeah, whatever. 50, 50 career Okay, interceptions. so that is so impressive to me because they didn't even throw to Champ Bailey. I mean, right. Champ Bailey was like, if he's covering your receiver, it doesn't matter who the receiver is. You do not throw that direction. I mean, it is absurd that he was able to get that many interceptions. Uh, I I think you could probably interchange those those top yeah. two i think vaughn for me is number one you know who i okay so all kidding i was totally obviously kidding with raheem moore but you know you know who i feel like you snubbed from the honorable mention list i don't I, granted i don't think he's above gratishar or mecklenburg or any of these guys but on the honorable mention list i'm surprised you didn't say chris harris because because considering what he did for this team and and how he was just an absolute rock in in that nickel position and he was an undrafted player has a, such a great story here with this team I was a little surprised you didn't I put actually, Chris Harris Jr. It, it, on that honestly list. his name did not come to mind for me but you're totally right and one of the things that I kind of looked at is their impact on the team right and what they meant to winning football teams you notice. Pretty much none of these guys were a part of the losing teams that the Broncos had, that they've had over many years. But I look at Von Miller. He is, in my mind, the in large part the reason the Broncos won that Super Bowl, went on that run. Chris Harris and his importance to that team and the role he played guarding guys like Antonio Brown, guarding some of those speed receivers out of the slot that was kind of right when the NFL was transitioning to having a lot of number one receivers running out of the slot, utilizing their speed, and Chris Harris was a locked down corner. The combination of him and a keep to leave, where you have the length, the ability to cover the big guys with a keep to leave, plus just piss them off and get in their head. <laughs> and then Chris Harris, who keeps his mouth shut, works hard, and just never gave up a catch. That's a great point. I think he absolutely belongs. Honorable mention. A little fun fact I used to host the uh, Chris Harris radio show. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Co back in your Greeley days. Back in the radio I, days. I actually helped you interview him once. I I'll always remember that. Connor was there <laughs> in the studio for one of the, the shows. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think your list is good. I like it. The only other person that I would add on there potentially, but I see why you didn't. Honestly, in all honesty, would be uh, you know the other Hall of Famer the Broncos have, John Lynch. Now I know John Lynch wasn't he didn't have his best years here with Denver, but he also meant a lot to those teams. I think you probably could have put him on the honorable mention, or at least I'm going to just mention him now that John Lynch, I feel like it's hard to have any discussion about the best defensive players of all time and, and leave off a hall of famer. So when I do it's lists hard like for this, me to, for me, it, it, I try to focus very specifically on their impact when they were on the Broncos. Right. I, yeah, I, I get that's, it. I like that criteria. I get yeah. it. So, so I, that's what I say. I understand so why you Chris left him Harris, off. I'll agree with but you. I feel John like, Lynch. I feel like I want to, I, I feel like no. you, leaving off a hall of famer off the list is hard to do, what but I get why the, you did it. I get I, it. I do have some theme music for uh, Raheem Moore. Okay, can I should I play that? Yeah, I like it. So I just thought if we had anything to say about anytime him, I that. think of Raheem Moore, I mean obviously you think about the catch he gave up in the, with the Ravens, but it's that you know Sunday Night Football. They I think it's Sunday Night Football that does where the players actually like tell you their name and yeah. their school or whatever. And yeah. He'd always go, Raheem, the dream more. And yeah. I just, every time, I'm like, the dream. Yeah, the dream. Hey, he makes that play. Who knows? It was a nightmare. Yeah.
Okay. Sorry to bring things all right, there again. All right. We do want to – I know we've, we've talked the majority of the show about the Broncos. I do want to quickly just touch base on the win, as unsatisfactory as I found it, against uh, the Washington football team, and then we'll do a quick preview of the Cowboys. So real briefly, let's touch on the, the, the game against the, the Washington football team. My, my first question I'll ask you guys, does this win make you feel any better or possibly worse about this team? No. <laughs> just, just, just good no. answer. Go. Good answer. No, man. It, it it was. I was at the game, and honestly, the the biggest thing that stuck out to me about the game was the eleven thousand plus no shows that showed up mm. on Halloween. We haven't seen something like that since Josh McDaniels, and then we all know what happened at the end of the season with Josh McDaniels getting fired. I don't know if that's writing on the wall or not with Vic Fangio, but yes. that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. Because, you know, the Broncos don't have attendance issues. And when they do, that should get Vic Fangio's attention. I'll tell you that much. But, no, I do not feel better after this win. <laughs> I do not. They did not play well. The defense played played all right. I'm like, I'm, they played solid. But, but, I like but I that they got that out of the quarterback, quarterback a little bit, which is something they've struggled with. You know, and with and, no Vaughn. And, and Jonathan Cooper looked good. I think that might be even part of the decision that, hey, we can get rid of Vaughn and it's not going to be disastrous for us this year uh, with with. Jonathan Cooper is playing pretty well, but no, I, I mean, my biggest takeaway is this team clearly is, is more along the lines of what we originally thought they were before the season. A, you know, the coaching staff just needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and also I will say this, I was on board at the beginning of the year and I know we have Tyler here in studio. I was on board. I, I flipped over. I flipped the switch and I, and I've said, I am all on the Teddy train. Okay. Today, I would like to formally remove myself off the Teddy train. I am officially just on record. It is time. It is time. I've seen enough. I've seen enough with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not sitting here and telling you Drew Locke's going to come in and be the savior, but I'm willing to give it a shot because, because what we're seeing is not working. You have to make some kind of a change in my mind. So let's see how many more times Connor flip-flops on that before the end of the season. <laughs> no, th this is so ridiculous, in my opinion, because... It's the first flip-flop. It's what, the first reversal. Your whole point here, your whole argument, if you will, is that just because this isn't working, the alternative, the alternate must be better. Or at least let's see if it's better. Okay, let's just or lose more games and get and get a see, better. See, that's draft pick. that. That would make more sense. And I just wanted to see where, where you're kind of going with this because if your goal is we got to start. Look, the Broncos clearly the AFC West is better than we even thought it was going to be. The Broncos don't stand a chance. Let's start losing some games. I'm even okay with that. And organizationally, you'd have to do it again by starting someone like Drew Locke. And uh, just to give you guys the pro football focus view on this, uh, they've got uh, Teddy Bridgewater three points better than Drew Locke. So right now. Now, according to PFF, and this is just pro football focus, the Broncos are ranked 21st. If they started Drew Locke, the Broncos would fall down to 28th in the league. That's a pretty big jump, three-point jump. That's that's a substantial difference. So, so the market, as PFF says, it's a field goal difference. Teddy's three points better, but if the whole goal, again, is to start losing more games, then, uh, then well, I agree Well, and I don't think, and, and the coaching staff clearly is not going to yeah, go I want to I want to touch on this coaching staff here in a minute, but to just touch on what you're saying, I'm going to go stick with my original stance, no flip-flopping for me, <laughs> all the way through. You should have started. Yes. Drew Locke yes. to begin with, yes. and you should go to him now because you need to leave this season without a yes. shadow of a doubt yes. that you don't have your quarterback manager. Now, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I don't need to see him again to know he's not the starter. But if you're George Payton, obviously you're not making this call, theoretically, but... 
George Payton needs to know he's coming out of this season without a shadow of a doubt that he either does have somebody that can compete for so, his quarterback or he doesn't. So, so I just want to, I want to, so in terms of the, the flip flopping, right? I have been very, you're exa- you and I have been on the same page. backpedaling. I will, no, I will say <laughs> I'm this. just teasing you. You and I, you, you, hey, you listeners Between out the there. Between flip flop and the backpedaling, it's go, like a fish out go, of water. I'm, go just look, I'm just kidding. Go look on Spotify and go listeners listen to the great Teddy debate and you will see that me and Jared have said the same thing since day one, which is that you should have started Drew Locke, not because Drew Locke gives you the better chance to win, but, but because, because we knew you'd be in this situation <laughs> with Teddy Bridgewater. Right, that's exactly it. It's because we just didn't believe in Teddy and we were, this is what we were thinking. You need to get you need to leave this season like Jared said without any sort of like I'm going to dry I'm going to pull my hair out of my head if somehow we end up going into next season and and Drew Locke is being talked about as a potential starter for this team. I don't even want to put hear that like to bed. The, the fake, <laughs> you know. I don't even want to hear the fake uh quarterback <laughs> battle discussion. No, I want somebody no. who is the damn starter from day right, one. Just That's name it. it. And, and and I think you get there by playing Drew Locke. And honestly, if I'm George Payton right now, if you, if there's any part of you as George Payton that thinks, hey, maybe we would consider like a Mike Munchak for a head coaching position or something like that. If there's anybody currently on this staff that in the back of your mind, you're thinking maybe we would consider him. Then you fire Vic Fangio. You put that person in for the rest of the season. You put Drew Locke in there. You see what you got just so you can make a decision. Yeah. And at the end of the year, you cut ties, probably, right? You get a good draft pick and you move on. But, I mean, I, I just think I've seen enough of Teddy. Teddy is more or less who we thought he was going to be. He's going to bring the, the Broncos to a mediocre record, right? We're going to be stuck in this limbo. And at the end of the day, I think if you're not going to make a push for for like a deep playoff run or anything like that you got to see what you got with drew lock so i'm going on record just saying we need to keep we need to put drew lock in there is what i what i'm saying here connor did you make it to the end of the game did you stay all the way to the end (laughs) i left after the the uh the football team punted back to the so did you do so because you assumed with under a minute left and not enough timeouts for washington to actually physically (laughs) stop the broncos (laughs) where we didn't need a first down you just assumed they would kneel correct that is correct i'm trying to get back for trick-or-treating so instead the broncos run the ball fumble we land on it. Oh, my God. Wow, that was crazy. We should probably not do that again, guys. <laughs> I literally, after that, I was like, okay, and I'm the same thing. I was going to a Halloween party, so I'm like, all right, let me go get in my costume. I'm going to walk away because I saw the one risky play that was going to happen. And then they throw the ball. Incomplete pass. What the hell are you well, thinking? And then they run it again with Melvin Gordon, and they fumble. You know, there was a part of me. I'm a huge Broncos fan. Rarely do I ever root for them to lose. There is some strategy to that. You get to the end of the season. Don't go win week 17 when you could get a better draft pick. Okay? But I almost, there's a part of me that wanted to see them lose because I think that might have been what it would have taken for John Elway and George Payton to finally go, enough is enough. And I think Vic Fangio might not have even been like allowed out of the locker room. Like, get your stuff. Get the hell out of here. You're no longer our coach. Yeah. I, now, I understand there, they, that Washington had three timeouts left, right? There was 37 seconds, three timeouts. If you were to take the kneels, you were going to have to pump the ball back to him with like 10 seconds left, right? I mean, th- that's what's going to happen, right? Uh, so, so it's not necessarily the play calling that I have a problem with, right? It's really not be- because you see this all the time. If, 
if the team can get the ball back, they don't want them to do that, so they're going to try and run. So I still put it on the coaching a little bit because obviously, hey, the buck stops with somebody, right? And at the end of the day, if you're not preparing your team to be like two hands on the football, Melvin Gordon, like I don't care what you think you see or whatever. Like we don't care about getting a first down here, really. We just care about you holding the football. Then yes, that falls on the coaching. But in terms of uh, the pass play, I actually put that a little bit on Teddy because you see those plays happen sometimes. Now, the way that play design was, was a play action boot roll. Right, and you what you want? It's essentially the same thing as a run, right? That's what you're that's what you're hoping to get out of that, and you're hoping that Teddy either a has an absolute perfectly clean play to get a you know four yard reception on the out, and then and then you get a first down, game over, right? Or what you're honestly telling your quarterback to do in that situation, if it's not perfectly clean, you're just gonna run the ball, slide, and take off. It's another run. I mean, that's what it is. Instead. Teddy tries to make a throw that he shouldn't have made, and and it's gone. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, okay, disastrous ending. But I, you know, what do we expect? <laughs> what do we expect from this football team? They're gonna go into Dallas. They're gonna get their ass kicked. Yeah. Do we even <laughs> want to preview that game, or can we just all go? Yeah. This is this is it. And in my mind, the preview of it is anyone out there still holding on hope that the Broncos are a decent team. Get ready for this week because you are going to see the wheels, I think, fall off there or going to get their teeth kicked in. I think so, The the Cowboys looked good without Dak out there, okay? I think assuming Dak's back and all signs are pointing to him being back, he almost played in this game. Assuming Dak's back, it's going to be bad. It doesn't matter. The Broncos lost to the Cleveland Browns scout team, as we all remember. So uh, they're going to get beat. (laughs) <laughs> They're going to get beat pretty bad. Hey, if, if they win and we come back, I don't even know what I'll talk about because it'll just be such a shock. I might I might pass out in terms of shock and, and not do the show next okay, week. Okay, and this so. is where I'll be unhappy because if they win, it means Dak Prescott doesn't do good and he's on my fantasy team. That's just, <laughs> that's just not an acceptable answer right now. It was hard enough finding out day of that Dak isn't playing. Luckily, I was able to go get Daniel Jones, oh, save good. the day. There you go. Yeah. Had a nice little game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the marker right now, Cowboys are nine and a half to ten point favorites, depending Ooh. on where you look. So, and they're home, right? It's at, yep. at Dallas. Yep, yeah. in Dallas. Wow, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Real quick, before we get off the Broncos, we do want to talk a little bit of Nuggets, but we've got to just touch on our weekly draft, the Red Rock Sports weekly draft. Last week, we looked at how many rushing yards the Broncos would have. Okay, Soaps was the first draft pick. He took fifty to ninety-nine yards. I was the second pick. I took a hundred plus yards, and Connor was shafted and got the worst end of it the zero to 49 yards or 200 enough it was close guys we almost got to 100 yards maybe maybe that's what they were trying to do at the end of the game they were trying to pull ravens and they were trying to get the last 17 yards they needed they ended at 83 total rushing yards so soaps doesn't even get to be here so tyler you get to bask in the glory yeah woo! thank you i'll take it here maybe uh soaps has something over here you're keeping score on this still, huh? Yeah. Okay, good. Good, because I'm not. I've lost the score. Oh, good, because you're – maybe I should change the no, score. No, 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 no. I don't think so. No, so that actually brings Soaps tied with you, Connor, for Ooh, the lead. Okay. You guys both have three wins. I have one. Man, I suck at this game. Um, so, since Soaps <laughs> won last week, Tyler, you're going to be last pick. So Sounds I'm gonna, good. I'm going to do a little bit of a, of a different one because Vaughn Miller is no longer here. 
He is typically a guy getting, you know, in the backfield making plays. We are going to take a look at who we think will lead the Broncos this week in tackles for loss, okay? I know that's not a stat a whole lot of people out there pay attention to, and I can see the look on both your guys' faces like, who do I even pick on <laughs> So what I will give you is the top five players currently for the Broncos leading in that category this season, okay? So... Obviously, Von Miller was number one, no longer with the Broncos. Then you have Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, number two. Believe it or not, Bryce Callahan, third on the team. Malik Reed is fourth, and tied with him is Alexander Johnson for fifth, okay? So you got Alexander Johnson, Malik Reed, Bryce Callahan, Draymond Jones, and Shelby Harris are your leaders in the pack for tackle for loss. Okay, so go ahead, Jared. You get your. First I get pick. to go first. Go ahead, okay. Go ahead. I. You can catch back up, mustard. Catch I, up, mustard. I am actually going to go away from no. that. Uh-huh. No. You didn't think I was going no. there. No. And I'm going to go with Jonathan Cooper. No, you're not. Yes. I oh, am. God, I hate you. <laughs> well, I was even going to give him the first pick too. Uh, that's but but see, I was I was trying to give week. a backhanded there because. Yep. Try to bait me. Uh, Try to bait me. That's who I wanted. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Wow. All right. All right. I guess I will go with I guess I will go with Malik Reed. Yes. We'll go Malik Reed. Um uh, I'm going Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones, okay. He had a good game, by the way. I, I really saw felt like you saw him show out a bit and, and was in the backfield a lot last week, so you might yeah. be on to something there. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Nick can thank me Jonathan next Cooper, week you- for a couple wins in a row. <laughs> there you go, See, Nick. this is the problem. I'm not thinking outside the box on any of these. I've been mm-hmm. I've been staying two in the box, so I had to get outside the box on that one. It's always but. better outside the box. More leg room. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like being in an airplane. You just don't fit. Well, plus, lately, airplanes are not a place you want to be. Jeez, yeah. Tyler <laughs> does not appreciate legroom on airplanes. I sent him a picture when I was a, I was in the coveted aisle seat that has no seat in front of you, so I could like lay down. And I go, check this out. And he goes, you can do that on every seat. That's actually not no. true. That's okay. actually not true at all. I said, when you fly first class all the time, that's what happens. No, so I had, that, I had that one time as well, and I thought it was going to be awesome until I realized with no seat in front of you, no tray table. Uh, that's true. No trade table. Yeah, that's true. I'll, yeah, I'll take the leg room. I'm six foot three. Table. So, all right. Yeah. Hey, we will. Uh, we'll look to see this draft. I'm, I'm. I'm looking to take the lead, even though Jared snarked me on a pick right there. And hopefully, so. this gets me back into the pack here. Okay. All right, guys. We would be remiss if we don't talk a little bit of Nuggets early on in the season. Here, they are now two weeks into their season, and and I think they're sitting at what four and four, something like that, so far. Uh, four and three. Four and three. Whoa! Hey, microphone hey, I'm excited about it, guys. Hey, hey. Jared just I did think, a mic drop. You know that, that was a uh, mic drop. I think we need to we need to talk to the uh, production team here because I think we're getting a little loose. This is, is it like loose? the third time I've knocked this. Was that like off. the Jokic breaking the microphone yeah. in the in the playoffs a couple years yeah, ago? I am. See, I'm, but was I'm that, pretty much Steve was, Atwater and I'm pretty much Nicole Jokic. Was that equipment <laughs> or was that you? Well, I'm be a pretty honest. aggressive person, be as honest. you guys know. As you guys know, uh, Tyler heard me coming in today, and I was quite angry when I walked through the door. Today. Jared walks around like he weighs about 250 pounds more than he actually does. <laughs> he stomps when he's not angry. He yells when he's not angry. He's just always like you know, that. You know right. why, Tyler? One word: intimidation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, look, the beard. <laughs> I, I, that's that's one thing you got going there. Okay. Thing. So the Nuggets, the one thing I do, uh, I have concerns. I do have concerns coming after watching this first two weeks about the Nuggets' ability to score beyond Nikola Jokic. And right now he's been their steady presence. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has not 
been a steady presence for them so far. Now, we talked last week at length. We all believe he'll break out of this funk. I think he's maybe pressing a little bit too much. I think defenses are paying a little bit more attention to him. I think he'll find his way through this. But that brings the point of him being a shooter. Shooters are inherently streaky. He's not a guy that typically creates very well going to the basket with the ball. So I'm concerned, Connor, about the Nuggets' ability without Jamal Murray to consistently put up points, particularly when Jokic is not on the court. They're currently right now sitting 27th out of 30 teams in the NBA in points per game at 100.7. That is well below their average last year, which I want to say was closer to 120 plus. So, Connor, do you share the same concerns I have with what you've seen from the Nuggets this year? Uh, Yes and no. I am definitely concerned with what we're seeing out of our bench unit right now. Our, our starters are, are looking great, actually. Um, they're, they're, they're looking really good. And, uh, and, and it's our bench that's disappointing me. Start of the week. Start of the week. Start of the week. Start of the week. Oh, it is that time again. So, you know, like I said, the, the starters are actually looking pretty good. Currently... Nikola Jokic at plus 80 and Aaron Gordon at plus 74 have the rank. They rank first and second in the NBA in plus minus. Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon right now are the top two players in plus minus in the entire NBA. Monte Morris at plus nine ranks ninth. Okay. Wow. The starters have a 10.8 net rating and have outscored their opponent by 31 points in 138 minutes. It's the NBA's third best five man lineup. In the entire NBA right now, so there, there's your stat of the week. Our our starters are looking fine. I'm I'm okay with the with the starters right now. I really am. It is the bench that is worrying me. The bench is getting outscored, outplayed, and, and I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure what you do. Well, yeah, I, I have the obvious answer. You just never take the starters out. You just leave the starters <laughs> in all game, every game. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that. <laughs> I think that uh, might not work out as well. It, it works in your NBA 2K game, but I don't know if it'll work in real life. Uh, so no, I, it's. Hey man, it's early. It's early. There's time to pick up. I mean, both the greens, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, they're they're both not playing well. Austin Rivers hasn't been doing much. Um, you know, uh, Faku Campasso shoots up bricks left and right like it's his job. And, and then you know, it's funny. The the Nuggets love tweeting out these videos of like Campasso making these crazy three pointers before the game. It's like, well, where where is that when he's wide open in the game? I, I don't get it. But uh, it's. It's disappointing. We, 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 you've seen Michael Malone kind of play a little bit with his rotations over these first couple weeks. So you've seen him recognize the problem, right? That their their bench is just getting outplayed, and so he's he's gone to staggering. We've talked a little bit about this. He he staggers Will Barton, Monte Morris, uh, and uh, well, Will Barton, Monte Morris, and MPJ into that second unit. It helps a little bit, right? Get some some instant offense on there. More recently, and I think much to the you know, uh, much to the to the uh, what's the word? Like surprise? Not surprise. Whatever. The chagrin. fans are happy about it. No, the oh, fans. Okay. The opposite of chagrin. I was thinking of chagrin, but it's the opposite of chagrin. Anyways, I, I think to the to the pleasure of fans everywhere, we have seen Bones Highland come in the last couple games, and he's looked pretty good. I mean, he he's made some an instant impact on defense. He shoots the ball pretty well. I think that that's a that's one option, right? And I think honestly, if you if you keep seeing this, I think we're going to be talking about a, an in season trade at some point. Okay. If if we keep seeing this, but 
Uh, you know, the other, the other big storyline, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. is struggling, as you have already mentioned, Jared. I do have some stats, though. I, I want to I wanna throw this out there to Nuggets Nation, to you guys here, just to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on our, on our panic for MPJ, okay? So last season, Michael Porter Jr. was playing like 10 minutes a game on the bench, not getting very much time, and then he moved into a full-time starting uh, position with the Nuggets. Now, his first six games as a starter last year, he averaged 9.7 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, one assist, 35% field goal percentage, and 24% three-point. His first six games this year, almost exactly identical. Same amount of minutes, 10 points, six rebounds, two assists, 33% field goal percentage, and 25% three. So he's actually shooting a little better on threes right now than his first six games in the starting unit last year. So I say that not, not to completely diminish the point that MPJ is struggling and we need him to be better <laughs> with a max contract. I mean, that's the end of the day, right? Sure. It's a max contract. You can't have your max contract player playing like this, but he certainly turned it around last season and ended up having a very, very good season. There's no reason to think that a shooter like this isn't going to come out of it eventually. Do you see Michael Malone possibly even taking the rotation adjustments a little further and maybe taking a guy like Amante Morris or a Will Barton and putting him to the bench, having them come off the bench so you have that built-in scoring threat. And Will Barton would be more the guy that would be that scoring threat for you coming off the bench. Is that something you think that they'll consider if these struggles continue? Hey, man, anything's on the table, but I would be very surprised. First of all, MPJ is not going to the bench. Not anytime soon. You don't put your max player to be a six-man. You don't. So they're going to give Michael Porter Jr., Every opportunity. I mean, you're, you're going to be talking into like next season if he's going to get moved to the bench. It's not going to happen, okay? Don't even wish that into the world, Connor, no, going so, into so, next season with this stuff. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so so then you got, uh, you know, Monte Morris. I think I think they would love to put Monte on the bench. Obviously, obviously Jamal Murray getting back into the starting unit would put one of those two to the bench anyways. So I think, uh, you know, ideally you will see that this year. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. I, I don't. I, I think, you know, I think this starting unit is, is playing so well together that you're going to try and do everything you can to kind of just keep staggering these guys, right? You, you know, because what, what, I mean, what we're essentially seeing, right? And Nick says this all the time. There's so much hoopla made about who starts, right? Like, they, like that's a thing. Who starts? But at the end of the day, what really matters is A, who's finishing games and, and B, your rotations, who's playing during the minutes during each other or during the game. And so I don't think you move any of the, you don't want to rock the boat. Will Barton obviously has been very public about how much that starting role means to him. I don't think you want to just knock him to the bench right now, but, but what you see, you're seeing Malone essentially do the same thing, right? He, he's pulling out Will Barton a little bit earlier than the rest of the starters and, and throwing in like a PJ Dozier. And then he's putting in Will Barton to start with that second unit. So you are seeing Will Barton and Monte Morris and MPJ to a certain extent get significant minutes with that second unit. And I would anticipate that's going to be the route they keep going. Although I do think Bones Highland right now is going to get a shot to, yeah. to actually seem show like himself. that Michael Malone is 
Two games in a row now. Opening up more and more, and I think if he continues to perform well, we could be talking about going into January where he's getting significant minutes. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, you know, I... So so we've been talking about the offense, and obviously the bench has been brutal, and, and, and all this is true, but let's not ignore how good the Nuggets are playing on defense right and, now. And, you know, that does kind of go hand-in-hand hand with the fact that they are winning games, but not scoring a lot of points. And, and I don't know if you have it in front of you, Connor, the, the, the schedule, but how many games have they even allowed 100 points this year? It's not many so far. Yeah, so it was five of their first six games I know were under 100 points. I think actually their seventh game was 106 points. So I think it's five out of the first seven have been under 100, but... Allowed the, by the defense. Yep. Yeah. So so the Nuggets right now have the fourth lowest defensive rating. Low is a good thing. It's like golf. <laughs> it's like how many points you're, you're giving up, right? So in terms of your defensive rating, the Nuggets have the fourth best defense in the in the NBA right now, contrasted with their 25th best offense, granted. But you add that together, they have the 10th best net rating in the league right now. So I don't think it's time to panic. The defense is is playing great and for all this talk about people lo- uh, people that don't watch Nuggets basketball, but spe- I'm specifically looking at the national media, they love to harp on the fact that Jokic isn't a strong de- defender. But that is not at all what we're seeing this year. And, and and to be frank, it wasn't what we saw last year. We saw a much improved defensive player in Nikola Jokic last year. And I think the media, this might be the year they start catching on. You know, it, it always seems to I take him like an him, extra It year. took him until like the <laughs> week before the MVP voting last year to finally like, oh, yeah, actually Nikola Jokic deserves this. So I think it may take him a little longer than you think, Connor, to get behind him. So if we're looking this year so far at at defensive rating for players, right? Now, defensive rating is a it's an analytic, advanced analytic that it's essentially it attempts to to say how many points are you giving up per 100 possessions, right? On the man you're guarding. How would you like to be the guy to calculate that? <laughs> yeah, seems well, like a boring job. Yeah, there's there is an equation for it. I don't have it off the <laughs> top of my head, but but that's essentially it, right? I mean, that's that's in a nutshell what defensive rating is. And so if you're looking at the NBA right now in defensive rating, Nikola Jokic has the fourth best defensive rating out of any player in the NBA. The list goes Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, obviously. I was, right? was going to ask where he was. I was hoping Jokic was ahead of him. Yeah, we, uh, Rudy Gobert, number one. Bam Adebayo, number two. Jimmy Butler, number three. And then Nikola Jokic at number four. That is no slouch. He is he is getting his hands on the ball. He is he is getting creating steals. He is blocking basketballs. And and he just is in the right position all the time. I mean, he he is such an underrated defender. People just say that because he's white and unathletic. <laughs> That's the only reason. It's because he's awkward in everything he does. So right. when you watch him do it, you're like, oh my god! I shouldn't say unathletic. Yeah. But, well, yeah. and, and you know, I mean, you see Aaron Gordon jumping up and blocking the you know blocking the ball and throwing it like. 10 rows into the stands like that's not Jokic he's not going to do that his blocks are like boop like just hands straight up ball runs into it and down again but like it's the same thing right I mean it may not be as flashy and Aaron Gordon is playing great defense too I'm not I don't mean to diminish Aaron Gordon I'm just saying it's a different style of defense and it does not mean that he's a bad defender and so I don't know I think it's it's eye-opening that he has the fourth defense I don't expect him to finish fourth But at the same time, he's playing good defense right now. You know who else is playing good defense right now on the Nuggets? Let me. I'm going to count here. Three, four. Well, and while you're doing that, something I think that I'm taking from what you're saying is when you look at a team that sure has struggled to score – 
but is playing a more defensive-focused game. It may not all be just the fact that they aren't putting the points up, but it may be a little bit in your approach. And I know that's something that Michael Malone is huge on playing defense. And what did we see the Nuggets struggle with down the stretch through the playoffs? The inability to stop. I'm just envisioning that mid-range jump shot from Chris Paul over and over and over again and their inability to shut a guy down. So I'm actually very encouraged coming out of this, even though, yes, it is a little bit concerning that they're struggling to find scoring outside of their big couple of guys. If the Nuggets can continue to be a top 10 defensive team in the NBA, I think that does wonders for them going into the playoffs. All right, I got I got it here. So I'm I'm gonna tell you I agree with you, Jerry. That's it, it's absolutely a good change. It's it's what Michael Malone has been preaching for years, and I there has to be a part of Michael Malone that is super excited about yeah. this brand of basketball because that is who he is, right? Yeah. I mean, he is a defensive minded guy. All right, so the Nuggets have, including Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets have four players in the top twenty in defensive rating this year. Do you care to guess who the next highest on that the next best defensive rating on the Nuggets is? Because I know you, and I know your boo. <laughs> it's got to be MP Bay, doesn't it? Michael Porter Jr. is number 15th in defensive rating this year, followed wow. by Will Barton, wow. number 16, and then Aaron Gordon at 20. And and granted, I will say this, right? Uh, defensive rating is not the end-all, be-all, just like every stat, right? You got to take it with a grain of salt. One of the things that is causing Aaron Gordon to be a lower on this list is because he's out there guarding the best player right. every night. So, so you know, there, there's something to be said about, um, you know, your player that's going to go guard the, you know, the Donovan Mitchells of the world, right? Like the guy that's going to go guard, a, a, a you know, the best guard or the best wing is going to obviously suffer a little bit in his defensive rating. So I think Aaron Gordon's probably playing the best defense on this team right now. But that, I just think it's eye-opening, right? Because people don't look at these nuggets, uh, specifically Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. as defensive players. They've actually been pretty good this year at defense. And and to what you were just saying about Michael Ballone uh, has to be a little bit happy about this brand of basketball they're playing. Uh, if there's one guy that's probably feeling like Michael Porter Jr. is living up to that max contract, it's got to be Michael Malone because it's a guy that he makes so many kind of underhand comments about, you know, where he's not specifically calling out Michael Porter Jr., but you know who he's talking about and not playing both ways, not playing, you know, within the offense, within the defense. And so to see him realizing, hey, I'm not hitting my shot right now. I need to contribute on this team in other ways as well. And he knows how important that is going to be for him. I, I I agree. I don't think he probably stays top 10, no, top 15. No. But he's a guy, if he can even be a middle-of-the-road defender with his length, I think that's something that the, uh, the Broncos, the Nuggets, can really be excited about if and when he gets his shooting going. Yeah, no, it's it's it is something to keep an eye on. It's it's just it's good. So it's not all bad, okay? We're we're having some issues, but they're also playing really good defense. Let's not just take that for granted because it has produced four wins out of seven games. I would expect them still to win a lot of games with this brand of basketball, even if it doesn't improve, which I expect it to. I do expect it to improve. All right, last question before we get out of here. Do you expect to see the Nuggets, let's say come February? They're they're ranking, you know, depending on what stats you're looking at, they're a top ten defense right now, right? Would you expect them to still be in that range come February, or do you think this team trends back to the team that we saw last year? Great offense, 
Yeah, average to mediocre defense. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I actually think it's going to stay similar. I, I don't know if they'll finish the fourth best defense in the league. Right? I, I don't know that. But maybe top ten. You think top ten? Oh, fair? I definitely think top ten's fair. I think. I think this whole team has really bought in this year for the first time has really bought into the message that we have to play defense. And I think what you're seeing because of the lack of three point shooting, I mean the nuggets, even last year, right? When, when they had a good uh, offensive play, they were among the, the lowest in the league in terms of three point shooting. The nuggets were even last year. And that does not appear to have changed at all. I mean, the nuggets do not have the type of three point shooters that someone like a Memphis has that can play a true five out offense where everybody can shoot a three, right? I mean, you try and get that. It's, you know, with Aaron Gordon or whatever, but Aaron Gordon's not a a sharpshooter. He's not ever going to be a three point sharpshooter, right? So I think the nuggets have actually bought in to this brand of basketball. And I think they're realizing if they want to go win a championship. If that's what their aspirations are, they have to play this kind of basketball because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, how dynamic your offense is when you cannot stop the opposing team from throwing up 130. Yeah. And as a, as a Nuggets fan, I think you're have to be encouraged about that, right? Because the, the, the front office told you that they were going to put everything into it. They, they made the max deals. They got Aaron Gordon re-signed. They brought in the guys. To see your team now buy in as well, you have to be encouraged as a Nuggets fan. Let's hope this offense gets going, bounces back. I think we all believe that it will. But frankly, maybe this is a better way to see them and, play. And let's not forget, Nikola Jokic, daily reminder, is the best player in the world. The best player in the world. All right, guys, that does it for us today. Be sure to tune in each and every week on Tuesday. We record these. You can get them every Wednesday. You can also find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. For Connor, Tyler, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. I'm Jared. We'll see you guys next week.